you know, always they give me hope and they give me encouragement that, you know what, somebody's listening to God somewhere and we're making an impact uh, because we give monthly to Voice of the Martyrs and, and we thank God that we're able to do that and that we see so much fruit coming out of this ministry. So it's always good to pray about things before you get involved in it and allow God to show you where to put your finances and how it's being used. And I'm just thankful every month they send us this magazine updating us on what they're doing with the you know, with the money that we send, and so that's always a blessing. So many times you donate and you never find out what they do. So we're just real thankful, and uh, just just it's a privilege to be able to partner with them. Even though we're comfortable over here, we're somewhat irritated over here, but basically, comparatively speaking, I guess, we have many, many privileges and many comforts that they don't have. So I'll pass this around after I'm done with it because there's some interesting pictures. Uh, there are some guys here that are holding up, I guess these are electronic Bibles, and everybody's got one and they're listening to the Word. And it's just a really a blessing to see this uh, come forth. So this one's about... <clears throat> The Christians and their opportunities and, and all of that. So we'll, we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you. We just come before your throne. We want to hear from you, Lord. We know what you've given us here, but we want to hear what you have to say about it. We are privileged, Lord, to be able to pray for your people, for Christians worldwide, whether they are, are serving you now actively or they're yet to come into the kingdom. We know that your gospel is not bound and it's not hid. It's in the open. So we thank you, Lord, for an open expression of your love to the world by giving your son, Jesus Christ, to die in their place. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So this one starts out uh, with a letter from the president, the American Christian's exceptional ability and opportunity. Anyone who has traveled abroad can attest to our country's greatest capacity to influence the world through the global distribution of books, films, and other media, we have without doubt more power in this regard than any other culture or country has ever had. But when we debate the idea of American exceptionalism and global leadership, we must consider that what what that means in light of Jesus' words in Luke 12:48, everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required. Having influence does not make us great, but rather makes us accountable to God for how we use that influence. In the mid-1990s, I made a series of trips throughout the developing world, including to several of the most unreached nations. By that time, televisions could be found in cafes, hotels, and barber shops of even some of the poorest regions. Country after country, cafe after cafe, I could predict what would be on the TV screen, American music television. We missionaries arrived in unreached areas only to find that American media companies had beaten us there, already exporting their smut to the ends of the earth. It is sobering to consider that the global perception of our nation for decades now has been shaped mainly by exported images of materialism, sexual immorality, violence, and substance abuse. 
While the distribution of Bibles and Christian media has increased over the past 20 years, we still lag far behind what secular American media companies have been able to achieve. It is time for every follower of Christ to fervently ask the Lord what part he would have us play in distributing Bibles to every person on the planet at any cost. The governments of restricted nations and others that oppose God's word must not have the final say. Like the apostles, we must obey God rather than men. Millions of our persecuted Christian family members still do not have their own Bible and due to hostile environments of government restrictions cannot get one without help from others within the body of Christ. Having a Bible means so much to our brothers and sisters in restricted nations that they are willing to risk imprisonment and even death to own one. Millions of our persecuted Christian family members still do not have their own Bible Oh, okay. I pray that God redeems our nation's global influence through American Christians who help the global body of Christ succeed in bringing his word to every person on the planet in our lifetime. Every single time the Lord allows us to hand a persecuted Christian his or her first Bible or to replace one destroyed by persecutors, it is a glorious victory of eternal significance. As American Christians, let us take full advantage of our ability and opportunity to make that happen millions of times this year. And may we never even consider stopping or growing weary until the work is finished. Amen. So... Yeah, it's it's very, very nice to see people <clears throat> receiving the word of God because it's life. I mean, you know, you see how, amen, how eager sometimes they are to receive it. I remember seeing a, a clip, a film clip of uh, some people in a house church and they were unwrapping Bibles. And you should have seen the. I mean, they were just groveling at them and excited and holding them. And it was just very, very moving. So that word of God is precious. Amen. It really, really is. Amen. Okay, this one is the reluctant Bible smuggler. Each time a new customer walked through the door of a small coffee shop in South Korea where Min Jae worked, his story with Voice of the, shared his story with Voice of the Martyr Workers, he hesitated or stopped talking completely. The middle-aged North Korean studied each person's face anxiously, searching for, searching for clues to his or her intent. Ming-jae knew from experience that he could never be too careful, even outside North Korea. Spies often cross the border into South Korea to find defectors and report their names to the North Korean government, which then punishes their relatives still living in the country. In North Korea, no one trusts each other, said Min-jae, who even suspected his wife of being a spy. We have to be very cautious about how we think and always careful with our words. I still have that kind of tendency. I get a little nervous looking back and forth. With a coffee grinder providing background noise, Min-jae gradually grew more comfortable sharing the story of how he became a Bible smuggler in the most restricted nation on earth. So, um, so that is North Korea is the most restricted nation on earth. Min-jae came, became a believer during a lengthy, lengthy business trip to China in 2004. While there, he had visited a friend's church and fallen in love with the Bible and all of its quote-unquote weird stories. 
Five months later, after being baptized, receiving his own small Korean Bible, and growing in the understanding of scriptures, Min Jae had to return to North Korea. But as he prepared to leave China, someone from the church made a bold request. Would he accept a shipment that included ten hidden Bibles once he returned to North Korea? At first, he declined. He was already nervous about bringing his own Bible into the country. If border guards caught him with even a few pages, he could be tortured or killed. And Minjay knew that receiving the shipment of Bibles could result in his imprisonment meant in one of the North Koreans' notorious concentration camps. As he agonized over the decision, he remembered that he had given his life to Christ and it was no longer his own. He decided to trust the Lord. <laughs> That's amazing how, you know, people uh, will will say, I am, I am dead to this or dead to that. But when you think about it, it really, when you... Think about the small decisions that we make, and we don't even consult God about it. You know, we we constantly let our life go and take it back again. Let it go, take it back again. So it's just real important, I think, to understand what it really means to lose your life for God. You know what I'm saying? Just to let that go and just totally trust. I mean, it's it's amazing how we can lose touch with that. Minjay knew that receiving the shipment could result in imprisonment in one of North Korea's notorious concentration camps. As he agonized over the decision, he remembered that he had given his life to Christ. It was no longer his own. He decided to trust his Lord. Now I believe in God, and in God everything is possible, he thought. I can do anything he wants, even if it looks difficult. Maybe God will just do his work. The shipment arrived a few months after Minjay's return to North Korea. At 1 a.m. in the morning on November 2005, he approached a boat along the back bank of the Yalu River, praying for God's protection and guidance with every step. After receiving three large vinyl duffel bags, he hoisted them onto his back and ran towards his home in the dark. Once inside the relative safety of his home, he opened the bags to find them tightly packed with pants, but wrapped randomly with the clothing were ten small Korean Bibles. I was afraid and nervous, he said. Receiving them was fine, but when I actually opened the bags, I began to wonder, how can I distribute these at this time? I began to have doubts. Minjay decided to keep the dangerous books hidden until God led him to the right people. Then as he walked through the village one day in February 2006, he heard a man whistling a Christian hymn. He had learned the tune, The Trusting Heart, to Jesus clings during his time in China. Minjay made note of where the man lived and decided to deliver some Bibles to him that night under cover of darkness. After midnight, Minjay rewrapped eight of the ten Bibles in the pants and left them at the man's front door. He didn't leave a note for fear that it would be traced back to him. Months later, Minjay returned to China with the intent of defecting, but in November 2006, he was arrested and extradited to North Korea. In prison, he met a former friend who had been arrested because of his Christian faith. And as they talked, Minjay came to realize that the man he gave the Bibles to was his friend's uncle. 
That man also had been arrested and was being held in a different cell in the same prison. Minjay's friend told him that his uncle had given the eight Bibles to relatives who had then committed their lives to Christ. The entire family of 27 people began to gather secretly at night to worship God and to read and discuss the scriptures. But one night a neighbor overheard the believers singing hymns and reported them to authorities. The secret police raided their home and arrested everyone. Although he wasn't able to interact with them in prison, Benjay often heard some of the family members praying in their cells. He never told his friend that he was the one who had left the eight Bibles on his uncle's doorstep. It was still too risky for anyone to know. A month later, all 27 family members, including Menjay's friend and his uncle's uncle, his friend's uncle, were sent to a concentration camp. Menjay was released after seven months in prison, and in 2014, he successfully defected to South Korea. He remains concerned, still feeling a bit guilty about the Christian family suffering in a concentration camp. After all, he supplied the Bibles that helped lead uh, to their imprisonment. Still, he knows that God ultimately provided the Bibles and that he is with them as they suffer in his name. I believe that these 27 people are children of God and that God will somehow release them miraculously, he said. Voice of the Martyr has provided some support to Minjay, and today he serves in a variety of ways at his church and participates in a one-on-one discipleship program. He continues to pray for a job that will enable him to support himself um, and, and ask Christians in the United States to pray that more North Koreans will learn of God's love for them. I just want for North Korean people to hear the gospel and share the gospel. That is my only prayer. At the conclusion of his conversation with Voice of the Martyr Workers in the South Korean coffee shop, Min Jae pulled out the hand-sized Bible he received in China when he first came to know Christ. The outside looks like a notebook, but its pages contain God's word in a near-microscopic font. He had hidden the Bible from everyone, including his wife, and it had sustained him when he was a lonely Christian, fearful of his work as a Bible smuggler. Like the family of 27 believers imprisoned for their faith and countless others secretly following Jesus inside North Korea, Min Jae depended on God's word too. That's his story. This one is called Sharing God's Word in the Depth of Hell. As Pastor uh, Humayun led a prayer meeting at his home in Shiraz, Iran, several seven years ago, secret police stormed in and arrested the pastor, his wife, their 17-year-old son, and four other church leaders. The seven Christians were blindfolded, shoved into vehicles, and taken to intelligence prison for questioning. After days of interrogation, they were moved to a public prison in order to keep quiet about why they had been arrested. The guards rightly feared the spread of Christianity among the prison's 6,000 prisoners. But Huyaman and the others believers felt compelled to obey a higher authority. It would have been comfortable 
to just be quiet and not talk about Jesus, he said. Things would have gone better for us in the prison. As they shared their testimonies and the gospel with their Muslim inmates, one thing became very clear. They were going to need Bibles. Instead of despairing over their imprisonment, the Christians saw an opportunity to spread the gospel among their fellow inmates. As they shared their testimony quietly with one inmate after another, they received a a variety of responses. A few threatened to kill them, while many others listened passively with no apparent response. Some, however, showed a sincere interest. One man approached the group on his own, asked if they were Christians, and said he wanted to know more. I was simply telling my testimony and telling about the good news of the gospel and stories from the Bible, Humayan recalled, God gave me wisdom about who was open and how much to share. The Christians' evangelistic efforts angered the gods. However, the Humayan alone received 20 written warnings to stop sharing the gospel with Muslim prisoners. But despite the threats from guards and inmates, the believers committed themselves to expanding God's kingdom inside the Iranian prison. Their daily behavior caused the Muslim inmates to wonder what made them so different. Realizing they needed God's word to help sustain them while in prison, the Christians began writing memorized Bible verses on any paper they could find. They encouraged one another by sharing the verses they remembered. During the times when we were under pressure, Humayun said, God was reminding us of these verses and strengthening us through the parts that we memorized. They were encouraged by the assurance in Acts 14.22 that is, is through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They gained insight into the purpose of their imprisonment from Psalm 19.65-72, especially from verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And Mark 9:43 to 49 took on special meaning for them. Humayun understood the passage as God saying, I brought you here to purify you and make sure your life fully belongs to me. Even if you are in the fire, I want to refine you. After 37 days, Humayun's son, Nima, was released from prison. He then became caretaker for his 10-year-old sister, who had been staying with relatives since her parents and brothers were arrested. Seven months later, Humayun's wife, Fabria, was also released. Eventually, the five remaining in prison were allowed to call their family and friends. They asked them to write down chapters of scripture in English and give them to an imam who visited prisoners regularly. Neither the imam nor the guards could read English, so they could not read the letters. So they were using the Muslim guide and bring the Bible in. God will do anything. You understand? He'll, he'll do what he needs to do to get his word to people. So... Um, The Christians who could read English then translated the scripture into Farsi so other inmates could read the Bible. After several months, the believers had complete handwritten copies of some books of the Bible to read and share. As they continued to receive new chapters, they started making additional copies. While Bibles were highly restricted outside the prison, inside they were multiplying. 
The Bibles inspired more evangelism, which angered the guards even more. They soon separated the Christians in hope of hindering the evangelistic work, but their plan backfired. Each believer had a handwritten Bible disguised as a simple diary to take with him. We didn't have access to all the prisoners in the beginning, but because they kept punishing us, they were moving us from the better part of jail to the worst part of the jail. Because of this, we had access to most of the jail sent to the prison's hell. For several months, Humayun continued sharing the love of Jesus and the truths of scripture with Muslims in his new cell. But as the guards saw prisoners responding to his evangelism, they grew increasingly frustrated, finally moving him to the harshest part of the prison known as hell. There in the prison's basement, 200 violent prisoners served life sentences or awaited hanging for the worst crimes. this way inmates made knives out of cans or other pieces of metal to protect themselves and murders occurred on a weekly basis blood stains on humayan's sleeping mat and blanket were a graphic reminder of the violence as the guards in hell had developed a devastating weapon and the guards in hell had developed a devastating weapon of their own they used each other's prisoners weaknesses as a means of control after learning that Humayun had struggled with addiction for 30 years, they placed him in a small, dark cell packed with drug addicts. The inmates were supplied with heroin and crystal meth, which have increasingly plagued Iranians in recent years. More than 3 million Iranians are addicted to drugs, especially to heroin made with opium from neighboring Afghanistan. Armed with his handwritten Bibles and constant prayer, Humayun withstood temptation. It didn't happen by God's grace, he said. Not only that, but a few of the drug addicts stopped using drugs because I reached out to them. Humayun knew that he didn't have long to share the gospel with each inmate. Many were executed after only a few weeks in hell. In addition to seeing prisoners break the chains of addiction, he rejoiced to see several prisoners find eternal freedom in Christ. People who were serving life sentences gave their life to Jesus. We know the gospel is in the heart of that prison. Two years after their arrest, five months of which Humayun had spent in hell, the five believers were formally charged with working against Iran's national security and with having ties to opposition groups outside the country. They were each sentenced to three more years in prison, and Humayun received an additional eight months because he was on probation for previous evangelistic activities at the time of his arrest. In total, Humayun was moved six times while in prison, even spending a few months in solitary confinement. The men eventually completed appeals to have their sentences reduced, and after three years and five months behind bars, Humayun was released in July of 2015. The others were released around the same time. But before their release, the men were required to sign a statement acknowledging that if they were caught joining an underground church or participating in any Christian activity, they would be imprisoned for life. Humayun signed the letter. Although Humayun signed a letter acknowledging the punishment for continuing his Christian work, he did so with the full intent of continuing the work anyway. 
Many believers who had once attended his church, however, were now reluctant to attend for fear they would be the next to go to prison. After receiving repeated threats, Humayun and his family finally decided to move. The Iranian government does everything it can to push Christians out of the country, especially when a family member has served time in prison. Humayun's family had begun to realize that authorities were watching their home and listening to their phone calls, and they occasionally got the impression that someone had been in their house while they were away. We realized it was just going to get harder and harder to be able to live in that country, Humayun said. His family and several other Christian families moved to a nearby country in early 2016 because the government of that country determines where immigrants live, each family separate settled in a different city. Humayun's family, including his son and daughter-in-law, share a three-bedroom apartment and must report to a government office every two weeks to confirm that they are still living in the city. They live off an inheritance and money they receive from the sale of their car, furniture, and other possessions in Iran. They also still lease a portion of their house in Iran, which provides an additional income. Humayun and his family were the first Iranians to move to the city where they now live, but more Iranian families are gradually moving into town, and Humayun has wasted no time sharing the gospel with the Muslims in his community. I am gently trying to reach out to them, he said. Voice of the Martyrs helped support Humayun's ministry so he can continue fulfilling God's call without increasing the burden on his family. He talks with Iranian students online and disciples believers inside the country almost every night. Humayun and his family hope to return to Iran one day. He often thinks about all the inmates the Christians shared the gospel with, especially those who accepted Jesus. Some of them are out of jail, and we are still in touch with them, he said. Some of them have life sentences, and some are getting ready to be executed. One of the inmates, a drug addict that Humayun shared the gospel with in hell, now attends the family's house church in the new country. And Humayun is confident that the others still alive in prison are sharing the good news that they received. We know that we left something behind, and those people are going to share their faith with others. Isn't that beautiful? Looking back on those difficult years, Humayun, now 60, sees how God used prison to refine him, just as he felt God promising he would do through Mark 9, 43 to 49 while in prison. The biggest change I had in my life was destroying my pride, he said. The Iranian people are really arrogant, and prison crushed me to make me more humble. I'm not saying that I'm a humble person now, but I really changed, and I'm much better now. Prison also taught him how God uses suffering to bless individuals and the church as a whole. At first, I was thinking that I deserved to be in prison because of my sins. But then I understood that this can't be right because God was using this suffering to glorify his name, to bless me and bless the outside church. In history, whenever the church was suffering, it would grow up more and more. Surely in God's suffering glorifies himself. Surely in suffering, God glorifies himself much more than in peace. One example of this, he said, is how God used suffering and imprisonment to spread his love and word. In prison, Humayun saw people hear the gospel just before they were hanged, and he witnessed God's word going out and not to return void. 
We were allowed to have some of the New Testament in prison in notebooks, he said. He still treasures one of his prison copies. Some of the copies were sent to other prisons because sometimes when a prisoner was transferred to another place, he would take the copies with him to that place. They also, there they also would make copies like, and like that the New Testaments were spreading. As God's word continues to spread, he is glorified and his church continues to grow in Iran. No prison gates, even those in a place called hell, shall prevail against it. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, praise God. You know, God gives the increase. If we'll just be faithful to do what he tells us to do, he is the one who brings the increase. I always tell people that, you know, just don't worry about any of that. Just just make sure you obey God. So um, let me see. Countering Muslim evangelism, in quotes, with the gospel inside the battle for the next generation. When more than 20 Christian children in northern Kenya received candy from Muslim evangelists last November, they readily pledged to return to Islam, which predominates in their Borana Arumbo tribe. But days later, Christian workers arrived with a load of cargo that proved more precious and lasting than sugar children's bibles christian workers led five donkeys loaded with children's bible through thick forests and across winding rivers to reach the village of yaran lataka near kenya's border with ethiopia they then distributed copies of the illustrated bible to 52 children including many who had recently turned their backs on the christian faith as the children saw the Bibles through uh, Bible stories told through the book's colorful, dramatic pages, they were hooked. And in days that follow, most who have been enticed by the Muslims' candy renewed their commitment to Jesus. One of the kids couldn't stop looking through the pictures of the Bible when he received it, even after reaching home, a worker said. In addition to strengthening the children who were secure in their Christian faith and reengaging those less committed, children's Bibles have also proved valuable to Sunday school teachers as a resource for weekly lessons. After sharing stories from the Bible's colorful pages, the teachers have reported higher attendance on Sundays and more enthusiastic and attentive students. Overall, they said the Bibles have improved the children's understanding of scriptures and enriched their Christian education. After distributing the Bibles in Lataka, the Christian workers continued their trek up the slopes of Mount Kesha to develop to deliver 63 more copies to children in the villages of Kesha and Kiltipe near the top of the mountain. Parents of the children who received Bibles said their kids had never received something so valuable from somebody they didn't know. The parents who were doing their best to raise their children in Christ were overwhelmed with gratitude. Most couldn't afford to purchase a Bible for their children on their own. Looking through the pictures in the Bibles engages the young minds, creating questions, developing interest in them out of curiosity, a voice of the martyr worker said. This leads them to ask their parents and elder siblings who certain characters are and what they are doing as described in the Bible. This also creates a platform of discussion and provides an opportunity for other children and community workers 
community members who do not know about Jesus and his word. Voice of the Martyr believes it is essential to provide children, especially those living in areas with persecution, with their own Bible. We distribute children's Bibles in hostile and restricted nations where children are prime targets for those seeking to prevent the spread of Christianity. God's word will prepare and strengthen them to stand firm with their faith throughout their lives. So here are some cute little pictures. I just love the pictures. I love the pictures too. Amen. Those are cute. Amen. Smuggling the digital word. So I think those were digital Bibles we saw everybody holding up in that one picture. Uh, Al-Shabaab militants came for Christian school teachers Philip Akumu and Daniel Wakisa in the middle of the night. They surrounded the men's house in their small Kenyan village near the Somali border and then tossed a grenade through a window. As flames spread through the concrete block structure, Philip and Daniel ran for the door and were shot to death as they exited the building. According to a group of Somali Christian leaders, the men were killed for sharing the gospel with their students. Although based in Somalia, Al-Shabaab terrorists move freely across the country's borders with Kenya and Ethiopia in a region known as Greater Somalia, enforcing their harsh religious standards with brutal injustice. Sharing the gospel in this region is extremely dangerous. Neither Somali or Kenyan government has been able to control the Islamic group in this lawless border region, prompting the Kenyan government to urge non-Muslim government workers like Philip and Daniel to leave the area. The two Christian men chose to stay, however, because they knew the ethnic, the ethnically Somali children they taught would have no other way of hearing the gospel. Their love for the children and faithfulness to Christ cost them their lives that night in October 2018. Somali Bibles are impossible to obtain inside the country and are often difficult to find at the Bible Society in Nairobi, Kenya, a majority of Christian a majority Christian nation that has a large Somali population. And getting caught by Al-Shabaab with a Bible almost invariably results in immediate execution. Christians, therefore, prefer digital versions that are much easier to conceal. And Voice of the Martyr supports some courageous believers who dare to enter Somalia with digital Bibles to share with those hungry for God's word. Voice of the Martyr supplies Christian workers with Somali Bibles on memory cards, which are then smuggled across the border a few at a time. These Bibles are given to secret believers who meet only a few times per year in very small groups, gathering at a different house each time. They are careful to vary their method of travel, stagger their arrival times, and enter the building through different entrances. According to frontline workers in Somalia, most of those currently coming to faith in Christ are women. Because women are largely restricted to the home, it's easier to have private conversations with them. In addition, women do not attend the mosque, so no one notices a sudden absence when a woman becomes a believer. When men convert, however, they must find creative explanations for their absence from the mosque. The men who come to know Christ often do so in part through social media and the Internet rather than face-to-face interactions with other believers. Digital Bibles are crucial in highly restricted regions such as Somalia, North Korea, Iran, 
in North Africa. Scripture is a guide for how to live as followers of Christ and also provides believers with strength to withstand persecution. Digital, digital Bibles made available on SD cards, thumb drives, and through downloading online bring God's word to regions where believers have no access to printed copies of the Bible. And they are so easy to conceal on cell phones and computers. In addition, digital audio Bibles enable believers to listen to scripture privately through headphones. As extremists try to eradicate Christianity with grenades and guns, the good news continues to spread among Somalis through the courageous acts of digital Bible smugglers. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I think these are some updates um, of stories. We can read through some of them and then we'll pray. Um, I have the prayer request with some updates on those as well. In Laos, Christians allowed to stay in village. Christians in Laos are often expelled from their village when they begin to follow Jesus, but local authorities recently rejected the wishes of leaders in one village who had ordered 23 families to leave. Although the, a few believers had lived in the area for years, village leaders became concerned by the growing number of Christians coming to faith through the strong witness of the local church. Christianity is viewed by many in Laos as a Western religion, and villager, village leaders often prefer that villagers follow Laotian cultural norms, including ancestor worship. When the number of Christians in a village grew to more than a hundred, the village leaders finally told the Christians it was time to move elsewhere. Three Christian pastors, however, traveled to the village when they learned of the crisis in an attempt to change the village leaders' minds, and they also invited government officials from a nearby city. Voice of the Martyr covered costs associated with the pastors' meeting, during which they reminded village leaders and government officials that Laotian citizens are guaranteed religious freedom. The village leaders held firm, giving the believers a deadline of December 6th to be out of the village. They also refused to compensate the Christians for land, crops, and homes they would be leaving. Unexpectedly, the government officials who had attended the meeting returned to the village on December 6th and gathered the Christians and village leaders for another meeting. They announced that it is legal for Christians to keep their faith and they should be allowed to remain in the village. We want you and the Christians to live together peacefully, they told the villagers. A voice of the martyr contact in the region is hopeful that many other villagers will now come to know Christ. Amen. Praise God. So it is legal in Laos for Christians to gather and to have their faith. In Colombia, ministering to children in drug zones. A voice of the martyr supported pastor in a rebel controlled part of Colombia is serving children who are affected by the local drug trade. Um, Jorge invites these children to an after school music program, which keeps them off the streets and out of the cocoa fields. The local guerrilla 
local gorillas often use children to harvest cocoa plants or transplant chemicals needed for processing the cocoa leaves and the cocaine. They are so poor, Jorge told a voice of the martyr worker, so the child works and it is an opportunity for the family because he is making a little money. As a talented musician, Jorge had opportunities to work in larger cities, but he chose instead to serve God in rural areas controlled by drug traffickers and paramilitaries. Through the music program, local children are directed away from a life in the drug trade and are taught that they are valued by God who loves them. It is very encouraging to see how God calls leaders to use their skills to bless children living in risky environments. Uh, He said some of his former students are now leading worship in local churches in these areas. Amen. All right. So in Lebanon, teaching children to uh, teaching scripture to Syrian refugee children. Each month, believers in a city in Lebanon teach scripture to about 70 Syrian refugee children in a Bible club. Recently, the Christians taught the children Luke 2.40 while their parents were learning the same scripture in a concurrent parents' meeting. The children's Muslim parents know they are studying the Bible, but they don't mind. In fact, the parents are impressed with the things they are learning from scripture. The staff also meet regularly for prayer and discipleship with a group of eight boys and five girls after each study. It's very impressive that this partner is being so bold among among Syrian Muslims in a very difficult part of Lebanon where there is little outreach happening. It's very strategic to invest in refugee children who are not only the future of Syrian culture, but also the gateway of access to reach their parents. Amen. All right, in China, government harassment of Chengdu Church continues. The Chengdu-based Early Rain Covenant Church, they mentioned that a couple months ago, has continued to face government harassment since a raid in late 2018. Police arrived at a church on Sunday morning, December 9th, arresting more than 150 Early Rain Seminary students and church members, including Pastor Wingy and his wife. While some were held overnight release, others faced lengthy interrogations and were detained for several weeks. Since the raid, nearly 700 church members have been monitored, followed, and threatened by local authorities, who also have confiscated some church equipment. In addition, police recently shut down an outdoor worship event held by the church at the Funan River. Although Early Rain is considered a house church because of its unregistered status, about 800 people attend its weekly meetings at various locations in Chengdu. The church operates openly, publishing sermons online, conducting street evangelism. In addition to a seminary, it operates a primary school that serves 40 children. On December 14th, officials issued a notice charging the church as an illegal cult, a criminal offense. So we continue to pray for them. Chengdu Church. Amen. Praise God. Let me get my prayer out and we'll <clears throat> pray. There's so much going on in the world. Uh, you know, I, I'm just real thankful God has opened our eyes because we could be like many Christians sitting around thinking everything's you're waiting on the wealth transfer. You know what I'm saying? Instead of this really is a season of prayer. If we don't know anything else, amen. Of course, we know that. 
because we pray as a ministry. But as far as the body of Christ is concerned, there's nothing going on but the rent. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no uh, great moves of God doing much. You know, we get a trickle here and a trickle there. Uh, people who wanted prosperity and all that stuff have given up on it because they see it was kind of out of balance to what God really wants. He doesn't want to make you rich so you can be rich. He wants to give you what you need to spread his gospel. If you're faithful, amen. That is our only work here. You know, the job you do every day, that's cool. It puts, you know, what it puts on into your life. But that's not your life. Amen. I wouldn't even call that a career if, you know, if you can use that word. It's it's just something to bring the greens in. You know what I'm saying? So we just trust God for the real meaning of life that he has taught us the real meaning of life. So let me get our protection prayer. Yeah. Praise God. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. People in Sierra Leone, Father, that they are uh, having programs there that transform lives. In China, we thank you, Lord, that we can uh, pray for the people in China as the government removes 4,500 crosses from churches. We pray for the Middle East as sharing the gospel through parenting advice is taking place there. In Uganda, a family is doing well after being abandoned because of their faith. In India... We pray for the Christians attacked by Hindu extremists. We pray also in China for this early rain church member who is yet missing. We thank you that member will be found. We pray in Pakistan for a Christian woman who was assaulted and locked in a room by her Muslim employer. We thank you, Father, to release her from this bondage and persecution. We pray for Tanzania, for a pastor assaulted doing a prayer service, Father. We pray for safety for people in churches there. In China, we pray for the house member, house church members who are being persecuted father we thank you that these people will be released from uh, captivity and that they will be set free in jesus name in niger we pray for persecution in that area father for the public baptism that caused people to be persecuted we thank you father that the gospel will be spread anyway in jesus name in colombia we thank you for a pastor who narrowly escaped his death from his captors as two guerrilla assassins came for him in his church we thank you for divine protection in nepal we thank you lord for the christians who were um uh uh, blame for these villagers' deaths, and we thank you that the truth will come forth in Jesus' name. We thank you for in India, a former Muslim and former Hindu are leading churches there in the name of Jesus. In Iran, we pray for the government as they arrest five Christian women that they will be released in the name of Jesus. And in China, we pray for spouses of imprisoned church members who are arrested that they would be released as well. Father, we thank you that we submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. We command you, devil, to flee from us seven ways. 
Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Lord, behold, they're threatening and stretch forth your hand to heal. God, do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. We declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let them fall by their own counsels. Lord, we ask you to judge the people. Judge us, O Lord, according to our integrity that's in us. Let the mischief of those who persecute us return upon its own head. Keep us as the apple of the eye. Hide us under the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of the enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against all of your servants without a cause and who hate us. It's time for you to work, Lord. They have made void your law. Lord, we know it's nothing with you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God, O save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, our persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. And their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. And we thank you for that. Father, we know that those who live godly for you will suffer persecution. And we thank you, Lord, for rescuing your people from undue persecution because the gospel will not be stopped in the name of Jesus. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Does anybody know what's on our prayer for today? What country is on there? April. This is April what? (laughs) Anybody got your April calendar with you? Praise God. Father, we thank you for the country that's on our calendar today. We thank you, Father, that we are praying for that nation. We thank you, Lord, for the people in that nation. We thank you, Lord. Satan, you will not steal this from us. We'll pray for these people. We'll pray because we told the Lord we would call them by name and we would pray for them continually. We thank you, Lord, that daily we will lift up one country and its uh, its uh, members to you, especially the ones who are being persecuted. We will not let that stand in the name of Jesus, but we thank you for delivering them for the hand of the enemy. We thank you, Lord, that the mischief of those who are trying to perpetrate their lies against them will fall back upon them. And we thank you, Father, that the gospel will not be stopped and your Christians will live long life. They will live out the length of their days. We thank you that they will come to a long, long life and full age according to your word. We declare a long life for them. We say fear will not hinder them from sharing the gospel, that the gospel is not bound. It's always free. So we thank you, Lord, for freeing up your people to share your word anyhow. Thank you, Lord, for more Bibles to come into these countries. We thank you, Lord, for less persecution. We thank you, Lord, that government leaders will be converted. We thank you, Lord, that we will not be stopped in anything that you give us to do. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you for it. We thank you, Father, so much. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. We lift you up. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We praise the name of Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus. We glorify and magnify the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody find what country we're praying for today? Okay. Anybody got April's calendar? Okay. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you, Lord. We pray for Cuba right now. We pray for the persecuted believers there. We pray, Lord, for your gospel to be free in that nation, Lord. We thank you that gospel is not hindered to that nation. We thank you, Lord, for the Cuban Christians. We thank you, Lord, for dethroning that communist government and rendering it powerless against the people there. We thank you, Lord. We break the power of intimidation over the people there. We say the gospel is free. It's not bound. The gospel is not hindered in Cuba. We thank you, Lord, that the gospel be released in greater measure over that nation. Soften the hearts of the people to receive your word. We bless you and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God and amen again. Praise God. <clears throat> praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if anybody needs prayer, you're coming up for prayer. Ladies, put on some music in the back and we'll... We are thankful to God that he's commanded us to pray. He's assigned us to do this. This is our assignment. This is not a, uh, you know, you're free to do what you want to do. Once God assigns you something, it never lifts like he's playing with people. You know, he's not playing with us. He really expects us to obey him and do his will in all things. Amen. So you don't get to pick and choose what you want to do. You're assigned to do all of it. So, amen. He's a good father. He's not a not a wishy-washy dad at all. He's a good heavenly father. Praise God. Yeah. Lord, we pray for Patty's mother-in-law, Sarah Gully, and we say her heart is fixed. Help her to trust in you through this, Father. We we declare her heart is fixed, trusting in you. And we curse this heart trouble at the root in the name of Jesus. Heart trouble, you cannot have her. Say we command you to lift your grip on her heart right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing her to full health. Full health, Father. Heal her fully, Father. Heal her fully, Lord. Not just feeling better, but healed. So we thank you, Lord, for healing her fully in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Anybody need to come up for prayer? You can come up now. Leave it right at the altar. I'll take care of it, says the Lord.
Anybody have prayer that needs prayer? Praise God. Well, Father, we thank you for this time that we've spent with you and you've spent with us. We are the better for it. We get the best end of the deal. We thank you, Father, because you invite us in because you love us. You paid for us to be here or we wouldn't be here. We know it. We're so grateful. We love you so much, Jesus. We really, really do. We thank you. We bless you and we praise you. Father, I bless your people with the following blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face upon you and be merciful unto you. And may he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We're dismissed. I give it to Miss Nola.